This message tonight is what I think, not all, but some have been kind of looking for and listening for the entire time. Because when we mention the book of Ruth, this love story comes to mind. And it doesn't really come to the core of it until now in the final message that we have. So some people have been waiting a while for this, I believe. But as we think about Ruth and how good and how gracious God has been to Ruth, there's so many steps that we've been through to get to this love story tonight. Because this was a lost woman in Moab, and God gave her the faith to leave Moab, to trust in Him, and to be saved. In spite of the horrible witnessing attempt for Naomi in the time that she was in, she said, just stay in your own land and and worship your God and and marry the godless of your kind. And Israel, it would be too complicated for you to go to Israel. But God was drawing Ruth and gave her faith to make a decision To plow right through what Naomi said. And for her to trust the Lord. That's the greatest blessing that anyone could have. Was to be saved. And Ruth was saved. And after she was saved, God guided her. He guided her to a certain field. The field of Boaz. Who was a kinsman. Who would redeem her. Who would fall in love with her. And be willing to redeem her. For the rest of of her life. He gave her a godly man in marriage in in Boaz instead of that nearer kinsman. And tonight we see the pouring out of grace in that a wedding takes place. There is a marriage that is taking place with Boaz and Ruth. And by the grace of God, a child will come along. God has been so good to Ruth. It's too good to be true. But it's true. Let me just stop right there so that we might get personal and really engaged as much as possible tonight. Do you have any too good to be true experiences in your life? If you've been redeemed by the Lord Jesus, you have had some of those experiences. Too good to be true, yet they are very real and they are very true. And it's because you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I got to thinking about my last couple of years before I trusted in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. One way or another, I waited through about 30 years of life and enjoyed the pleasures of this world and nothing, no, I, I, I never got real sincere about anything and, and nothing ever tore me down. But before I was saved, difficulties started tearing me apart. I felt myself decaying inside. I was helpless and hopeless. There were certain difficulties I had and I tried to do everything in my power to help my situation, but I couldn't do it. Uh, I'm thankful for those difficulties because I look back and I see that those difficulties were drawing me to God, that He was using those things to make me see that I cannot make it on my own and I need Him. He was trying to help me see my sin and that it was going to take me to hell and I needed to trust Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And, And I was saved by the Lord. 
And after I was saved by the Lord, let me tell you something about those difficulties. I was changed, but those difficulties weren't. My, my story, our story is different from Boaz and Ruth in a lot of ways probably. And my story is those difficulties continued in my life. As a matter of fact, some of them continue to this day. But where I was decaying and falling apart and ready to quit and saying life is just about over. I can't do anything about this. I can't deal with this. I can't handle this. After I was saved, I had a hope and a confidence. Some might say I saw the light at the end of the tunnel. And though the difficulties tried to bog me down, I kept pressing forward as a new child of God. And I was encouraged and I was given strength through the difficulties. That was, that was such an amazing change for me. It was too good to be true. Yet, it was very real and very true in my life. And if you have been redeemed by Jesus Christ, you have those stories as well. If you have walked in His will, you've experienced His power, and you have some too good to be true experiences. Maybe I could encourage you right now that when this Bible study is over, if the family's gathered around, maybe you all could just sit and share some testimony about what Jesus Christ has done and made an amazing change of in your lives. Well, Ruth herself has found herself in an unbelievable, wonderful experience that we could categorize in many different ways. We have seen Ruth go through many different levels throughout this book. We could categorize them actually by the clothes that she wore. That, that came up a few times, and so let's just think about it for just a minute. Because Ruth had the wardrobe of a widow. And then she wore the wardrobe of a worker. And after that, she put on the wardrobe of a woman. And then she put on the, a wardrobe for a wedding. And then now we see the wardrobe of a wife. And even the wardrobe of an expectant mother. This book of Ruth does end similar to this Cinderella story where the handsome prince sweeps her away and they go and they live happily ever after. Because her and Boaz, they do get married and we are going to finish this journey that Ruth has been on transforming from widow to wife. And look, man or woman, boy or child, there should be some parallels in our lives that we can compare this to if we have been redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me say this, if you don't have any of those experiences, I want to tell you tonight that you can because being redeemed by Jesus Christ offers experiences from heaven that you can get no other way. Let's just say they are too good to be true experiences, yet they are very true and very real in your life. If you know Jesus and you have walked with Jesus, there is no doubt you can ponder with joy the many things that Jesus has done in you and with you and through your life. Ruth 
may have thought that she was dreaming through all of this. Sometimes, do you think that maybe she sometimes just fell in this lull and, and fell into it to thinking about all that Boaz has done to be generous and good and loving and kind and compassionate to her? And she might have just thought she was dreaming. And how could this be real? Well, let's walk through a few last steps here with Boaz and Ruth tonight. And I'm actually going to invite you back to chapter 13 and verse 13 for just a minute as we make another point from another angle from those verses on Ruth and her patient waiting. She had patient waiting. Look with me in that verse. It says, from Boaz to Ruth and, and about the nearer kinsman than Boaz, it says, tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning, that if he will perform unto thee the part of a kinsman, well, let him do the kinsman part. But if he will not do the part of a kinsman to thee, then will I do the part of a kinsman to thee, as the Lord liveth, lie down until the morning. Oh, the, to wait on God. You know, there's some answers that come from God sometimes, and, and that those answers will come in the form of maybe yes to our hearts, maybe no, or how about that one, wait. Not right now, but wait. Wait on my timing. Christians find it hard to wait sometimes. But that's something that is very important for you and I to do. This is something that Ruth did. She waited patiently. She followed instruction and she waited patiently. And she was able to wait patiently because she trusted in the promise that Boaz made. Boaz told Ruth to tarry this night. And he promised that when morning came, that he was going to make sure one way or another that she was going to be redeemed. I love the Psalms where it says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. You know, I don't know why so many people like to stay up all night long and sleep all day. Thessalonians says we're not of the night, we're of the day. You know, when the Bible talks about night, it talks about uh, trouble and, and trial and travail through the night. That the, the night expresses something negative in the Bible, but in one way of speaking, we are in the night right now. We are in the night while we are on this earth, and there are troubles, and, and we need to wait patiently through the darkness as we consider the promise that joy cometh in the morning. We need to wait to see our needs met. Because Jehovah Jireh is going to make sure that our needs are met. The Lord who will provide, He is worthy of waiting on. He is worth the wait when we wait for Him to meet our needs. If we go trying to meet our own needs in the wrong kind of way and neglecting the Lord and thinking He's too slow for us, we're going to mess something up and it's just going to be a domino effect. But we need to wait on the Lord. And to be able to wait on the Lord is to trust in the promises 
that the Lord has made to us. Can, can we make the connection tonight? Because Ruth trusted in the promise of Boaz, so she waited through the sorrowful time, through the troublesome time of night. She waited and she trusted for him to come through. You know, it gets really dark in, in, in our nights sometimes, if you will, concerning this life. But morning is coming. Morning's coming. And we can trust in the promises of the Lord through the darkness of our night. Let me ask you tonight, do you trust in the promises that Jesus has made to us? You know, there's a certain promise I want to point out tonight because it's very personal to all of us and it's very important. I want to ask you, do you trust that Jesus finishes what he starts? Do you trust that Jesus will finish what he starts? Because he has started and finished something in you and I when he saved us. We are finished for heaven, but he has started something in us while we are here. He has started a work in us and he promises to finish what he started. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. There is a promise that what Jesus has started in you on this earth for his glory, he is going to continue that promise fulfillment until Jesus Christ comes back to the clouds. He is continuing to work in you and nothing can hinder him. Nothing can stop him. The only thing that can hurt the situation is if we neglect his will. If we don't listen to him, if we don't follow the path of what he is perfecting and what he is performing in us, that's what can hinder. Nothing else can hinder him. But we can. Let us trust in the promise through our dark times, through all times, through our difficulty, that He will finish what He started in you and I. Ruth believed the promise of Boaz. Will you believe the promise of the Lord Jesus Christ? We know that Ruth believed the promise of Boaz because we say she trusted in the promise, but we see it carried out because she tarried in the place. Look with me at verse 14, and this is still back in chapter 13. It said that she lay at his feet until the morning, and she rose up before one could know another. And he said, let it not be known that the woman came in to the floor. She stayed at the feet of Boaz properly and respectfully through the night. She believed the promise that he made so she was able to be still. To be still and believe that he would do exactly as he promised. That the next day, redemption was going to be the first thing on his mind, her redemption, and he was going to make sure that that happened one way or another. She had been through such a lonely, struggling time in life. She was in need. She was in desperate need, and she waited, and she trusted. And I would like to say tonight, if there's someone who is tuned in here, 
who does not have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, you realize it doesn't matter what you've professed before, it doesn't matter what kind of religion you grew up in, but you just do not have peace. There is an emptiness, there is a stirring, and there is an uncertainty when we talk about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, to be bought by Jesus Christ, that His blood has cleansed you and made you white as snow. There is something lacking in that connection there. And, and if that's you tonight... I just want to tell you that that is your greatest need in life. Can you shut everything else out of your mind and put it to the side and consider forgiveness for all your sins? You need to be forgiven for all of your sins. That is your greatest need. And Christian, you have been forgiven for all of your sins. Your greatest need has been met. But let you and I make no mistake about it. We are very much in need. We are in need every day because there's a stormy wind and there is a raging sea that is constantly crashing up against us in this world. And it's more than you and I can handle. We are overmatched for the problems of life out there without walking with the Lord Jesus. We have a need to be very close to Him, to cling to Him, to trust in the promises that He has made to us. We need to cling to that promise that He will be with us in our time and trouble. We need Him and we need to meditate on the fact that He will be with us in all that we go through. I knew He was the moment He saved me when those difficulties didn't leave. However, we get down the road in our life and sometimes... I, I just don't feel as fresh about that as I did the moment He saved me before I really learned those things. We need to be refreshed. We need to be restored and we need to embrace the promises of God. The 46th Psalm in the first verse says, God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble. When your trouble comes along, when you go through difficulties, do you understand? Do you believe? Are you embracing the fact that the Lord is right there with you in all that you go through? If so, you're calling on Him. Let us call on the Lord. The 64th Psalm gives us an example of the psalmist calling upon the Lord. He says, hear my voice, O God, in my prayer. Preserve my life from fear of the enemy. Let me say that again, real appropriate right now. Preserve my life for fear of the enemy. The enemy is always going to be around. But he prays about that fear of the enemy, that we wouldn't have that fear within us. We need to go forward cautiously. We need to go forward embracing the promises of God and meditating on him, but not in fear. Hide me from the secret counsel of the wicked and from the insurrection of the workers of iniquity. You can call on God and He will be there. These are promises made to you, children of God. And if you need to be saved, you can call upon the Lord to save you. You can trust in Jesus Christ and what He has done to save your soul. He died in your place. He gave His life for you. He paid the price of His blood to cover you and, and to make you bought with a price. To be accepted if you will trust Him as Lord and Savior.
And look, he is with you. He is with the child of God. And there is no better place for you to be than to be with him. Can we humble ourselves before the feet of Jesus and walk with him in all that we go through? You will not be moved by the frets and the frights of this world if you are dwelling at the feet of Jesus. If you are refreshing yourself and all the many promises that he has made for your life and for my life. Would you tarry in the place of Jesus' feet? That we see this picture in Ruth tarrying at the feet of Boaz. She patiently waited. And she was able to do that because she trusted. As a matter of fact, that word wait and that word trust throughout the Old Testament, they, they are interchangeable in many ways. Waiting is trusting. But let's go from the patient waiting to the proper wedding. And I'll invite you to chapter 4 and verse 13. It says, so Boaz took Ruth and she was his wife. And when he went in unto her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. We have a giving groom here. We think about how giving he was as the master of the field, and how generous and compassionate he was to Ruth, and nothing would do Boaz except for her redemption to be complete. He promised that her redemption was going to happen. And, and he ended up being the one able to redeem her. The nearer kin didn't. He was able to do it. He was willing to do it. He wanted to do it. They obviously had a wedding. And she became his wife. Boaz redeemed Ruth. Not out of a law or obligation. But because he loved her, he wanted to redeem her. And he did redeem her. And he was magnified for what he did. The, what they would call the sacrifice of this redemption was a magnification for him. And then he carried the bride away. If you look in verse 13 there at that word took, that Boaz took Ruth, it means that he carried her away, just like the Cinderella story, if, if you will. But I tell you something about you and I. One day we're going to be carried away. We're going to be caught up with Jesus in the clouds. Whether we are alive and remain into the coming of the Lord, or whether we sleep in Jesus... And, and when he comes back to the clouds he, and brings our soul and, and it is restored to this glorified body, whether we are alive or whether we are asleep, we will all be together and we will ever be with the Lord is the promise. He is going to catch us up with him in the clouds and he's going to take us home to be with him in glory for eternity. And there will be a completion of the work in our lives, through all of the good, through all of what you would call the bad, through all of the painful things, we're going to see that it all worked out for good, kind of like the guy in the kitchen of the hotel that I saw one time making this giant vat of soup, and, and he was putting things in that soup, and man, it smelled bad. It smelled horrible, but whenever it was all mixed together, 
Man, that soup tasted good. I was just a construction worker on the job, and he gave me a bowl of that soup with all of those individual stinky ingredients, and man, that soup was so good. And I'm telling you, in all of the good that has happened and all of the difficult things that go on in our lives, all of the darkness we have to go through, it is going to end up good. Joy cometh in the morning. God is going to complete a work in our lives. We are married to the Lord Jesus Christ, if you will. And good things will come about as a result of this union. You are on your way home, Christian. You are as good as there, I'm going to say to you, because the Bible says that we set together in heavenly places in Christ. And one day, we are going to be in the fullness of the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are going to give Him all of the praise. We are going to praise Him for eternity. There was praise that was given to Boaz for the work of redemption in Ruth's life. He was a giving groom, but we see a receiving bride here in Ruth. You know, Ruth had a past. She's a Moabitess. She was from wicked Moab. But you understand, after being redeemed... Her past is in her past. I would like to speak to, I don't know who tonight, but I know that unfortunately, we, we come across a testimony where professing Christians are hindered by their past. Their past weighs them down. They don't feel worthy to move forward and to do anything for the Lord because of a past that they have had. Hey, none of us are worthy. All of us have a past that, that's unworthy of the Lord. But when we are redeemed, our past is in our past. There is something, because I care about you, I'm going to tell you tonight, professing child of God, that there is something very concerning that you need to examine, that you need to investigate if your past is not in your past. Because when you are redeemed, you are not who you were. Ruth has been redeemed and she is not who she was. She has been addressed as woman like many of the Israelite women have been addressed. She is no longer the same now that she is redeemed. And you and I have a heavenly Boaz who redeems us. He buys us out of the slave market of sin. He forgives us of all of our sins. His blood washes us white as snow and our past is no more. It's no more in the picture. Your past is to be in your past if you are redeemed. That's what Jesus Christ does for you and I when he redeems us. Boaz redeemed Ruth. She is accepted. When he received the shoe from that nearer kin, 
which was an expression of, I passed the responsibility of redemption on, I am unable to redeem, I pass it to you. When he received that shoe, that was a binding legal contract that he could redeem Ruth. And, and let me tell you something, don't you know that he kept that shoe? He was willing to redeem Ruth from her past for the rest of her life. It was a permanent thing. And by the precious blood of the Lamb of God, by the precious blood of Jesus, with all of its purchasing power, which satisfied God. Jesus satisfied the righteousness of God with His perfect life. He satisfied the justice of God that He died in your place and He died in my place. And He has purchasing power to redeem all who will come to Him. Everyone's accepted and no one's turned away. If they will just receive the buyout, if they will just receive the redemption that comes in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you do, you're no longer who you were. You are somebody new. You won't be carrying out being everything that you ought to be. But we are a work in progress. And we will be growing. And we will be changing. And we might even be affected from, from decisions in our past by consequences. But that's different than being forgiven. We are forgiven for all that we were in sin. God's grace, the reality of God's grace in a person's life changes everything. He has grace that is greater than all our sin. He changes you and I. Someone said, if your religion hasn't changed you, you need to change your religion. Because you are changed when you come to Jesus Christ. You are changed in Him when He comes to live with Him. There's not a shoe given for evidence, but we have a Savior within that's evidence. We have Scripture that is evidence. We don't need signs and wonders today. We can put our finger on it in the Word of God. We can show you in the Word of God the evidence that we are children of God. And we have a mighty Savior who lives within us. We don't need a shoe. We have something better to illustrate our redemption. That is the word of God and the, our abiding Lord who lives within you and I. He bore that cruel cross to buy us out of our sin. And he is our advocate. And he is interceding from heaven for children of God. If you don't know Jesus, you have no help. You have no way out of your sin. You have nothing you can do yourself. But I'm telling you, there's a loving advocate right now who is willing to intercede for you on your behalf before God by His shed blood. It will wash you white as snow. It will take care of all of your guilt. The weight of guilt, you know your sin has made you guilty. And Jesus Christ died for that. That you might be saved. That you might know Him. That you might be redeemed. That you might... Sit with Christians in heavenly places in Christ. Because something is finished when you're saved. You're going to heaven. But something has started. He is going to do a changing, amazing work in you. We're married 
to Jesus Christ when we know him as Lord and Savior. Well, let's look at a prompted worship now. You know, what happens after Ruth's redemption? And there's a wedding. And Boaz and Ruth enter into the union of marriage. What happened? What began? Worship began. I'll tell you what. Worship began. And praise was prompted. It was a time of worship toward the one who has made all of this possible. Boaz has received a lot of praise. A lot of people gathered around and rejoiced in the redemptive work of Boaz and Ruth's life. But let me tell you something. There was an ultimate redeemer who is responsible for all of this. There is someone that that only through him... Everything that happened with Boaz and Ruth happened. And that is by the Lord Jesus Christ. All praise is due him. Would you look with me? Where is it at? In verse 14. And the women said unto Naomi. Blessed be the Lord. Which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman. That his name may be famous in Israel. There it goes. Blessed be the Lord. The one who is ultimately due of all the glory and all the praise. It is by the Lord God. We see that the Lord is praised and worshipped. And he is well worthy and well due of worship. It has been God all along who brought. Boaz and Ruth together that they might be married. He's the ultimate redeemer. He established this plan and he executed this plan and he is rightly exalted here and should be continually exalted. And for all Jesus Christ has done for you and I for eternity, he should be exalted continually. He should be exalted every day. He should be exalted in our difficulty. He should be exalted in our darkness. He is worthy of it. He is worthy of being lifted up on high and given praise no matter what we are going through in life. We are nothing without Him. His name should be exalted above every name and He should be continually praised. How can we not praise such a blessed Redeemer as we personally have in our Lord Jesus Christ? Only God can do what He does. What we have witnessed here and and shared with Boaz and Ruth, only God can make this happen. And only God can do the things that He does in our lives. And And look, we're going to know when something's earthly sent and when something's heavenly sent. Because it's only something that our almighty God can do. And what he does, you know, think about what God does or why God does what he does or all the many things that God could do. You know what he does? He does things for our benefit. He does things for our blessing and he does it Not out of obligation. He's not obligated. But He loves us. He has done it out of His great pitying love that He looked down upon mankind and He sent His Son. He sent His Son in our place. And He has given us of His Holy Spirit to empower us in the living of the Christian life. He does what He does for us and prays is to be given to Him. He makes all of these things possible in our lives. Praise is well due Him. He's the one 
who has made all this possible for Boaz and Ruth. He's the one who has made them parents. I've heard about the birds and the bees. But when God has a specific will in our life, you understand he's the one that brings all of these things about. Look in verses 15 through 22. We're going to read these as we finish up. And he shall be unto thee. Well, first of all, in verse 13, it says it speaks of Ruth bearing a son. And verse 15, and he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life and a nourisher of thine old age for thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons hath borne him. And Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became nurse unto it. And the women, her neighbors, gave it a name saying, there is a son born to Naomi. And they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these these are the generations of Pharez. Pharez begat Hezron, and Hezron begat Ram, and Ram begat Amenadab, and Amenadab begat Nashon, and Nashon begat Salmon, and Salmon begat Boaz, and Boaz begat Obed, and Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David. This child born to Boaz and Ruth was given the name Obed, which means worshiping. This was an amazing, special thing to everyone in this circle. It's important. He's important to everyone. He's in the lineage of Jesus Christ. But for everyone in this circle, she, Ruth, has now been redeemed. She now has a son. Look, she has been addressed as a woman among Israel. She has been accepted in Israel. She's been redeemed. But, but this child does something even more special for Ruth. She has been given a connection to the royal family line. Because Obed, her son, is King David's grandfather. That makes Ruth King David's great-grandmother. She is a relative of Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 1 and verse 5, it speaks of Obed of Ruth in the genealogy of Jesus. This child was a blessing to Boaz, to Ruth, to Naomi, and all within this circle. He's called a restorer of life, and they worshiped the Lord for giving this son to them. Oh, God is so full of grace and so full of gifts for his children. They, he gave them a son. And God gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God gave his only begotten son. You understand, Christian, we have a relationship with the Son of God. He is our Redeemer. And He is a continual restorer of life. He has given spiritual life. He has quickened those who have come to Him for salvation. And we have been made alive unto God. And that makes Him a reason for constant rejoicing in our lives, through the difficulty, through the tribulation, 
we can rejoice in our blessed Redeemer, Jesus Christ. But as we close, how about you tonight? Do you know the blessed Redeemer, Jesus Christ? Has He redeemed you? When did He redeem you? What does it mean to be redeemed? It means He buys you. He buys you out of the slave market of sin. He's the only one that can. Everyone enters the slave market of sin because of one man, Adam. Sin has come across everyone in the world. And you need to be bought out. You need to be bought out of that slave market. And it only happens by the righteous, perfect blood of Jesus Christ that He shed for you. He paid the ransom price for you, for your soul, that you might be saved. You have not lived until you've been made alive unto Christ. In 1 John 5, 12, it says, He that hath the Son hath life, but he that hath not the Son hath not life, and it just can't be any more simple than that. You need to be made alive by trusting in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior by faith. Would you believe in Him and would you have a blessed Redeemer? Anyone can have this grace which has been given to Ruth. And Christian, may you and I be refreshed of the fact that we need grace every day. We need to call upon God and His grace every day. We need to be leaning on His promises. We need to be embracing His promises. We need to be at the feet of Jesus. Too many Christians are playing around today. And, and there's too much measuring one Christian against another in a lukewarm atmosphere. We seriously need to be at the feet of Jesus as close to Him as we can. That's where He wants us. That's where we have the opportunity and privilege to be. And that's where the greatest blessings are. That's where the constant experience of the grace of God is that we so desperately need. Are things uncomfortable and uncertain and irritating in your life, child of God? I don't know why, but it could be that we're not as close to Jesus' feet as we possibly can be. And I pray that we're all encouraged tonight as children of God that we might have just a closer walk with Thee, that this grace for Ruth we would experience in our own lives because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let us close this study now in a word of prayer. Father, tonight we thank You for taking us through this Word for several weeks, Lord, I thank you for what we've learned. I thank you for how you've refreshed us. I thank you for your love that cries out to us and your grace that is there for us. We thank you for loving us so much, Lord. I thank you for your, for your permanent salvation in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for our sins, according to the Scriptures. Lord, have your will and your way and those who have heard your word, save the lost, and strengthen the saved, Lord. And we give you all the glory for it. And we pray for Lakeway Baptist Church as we move forward. Lord, I'm going to thank you in advance 
for great things that you bring about and unfold and the blessings that you pour out upon our church. And Lord, that you would pour out your grace and your blessings to all of those who have been listening to us, that you would even use this time that you might add to your church. It's all for your glory to carry out your will. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.